If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus again. We'll be in Exodus chapter 20, and we will begin reading again in verse 1. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Our focus today is going to be on verse 15. But we are in our last, uh, the last, the, the home stretch, I guess you'd say, of our study of the Ten Commandments. Now, you might remember that we've been doing this for uh, some time now, and, and uh, today we're going to be in commandment number 8. And so we'll have uh, commandment number 8, then the next couple weeks we'll have it all wrapped up. And so this, this command is very, um, it's, it's kind of like the other ones, it's very short, very easy to understand, and even though it's, it's hard to misunderstand this text, it is something that many people have broken. It is the command, do not steal. Okay, so what I want us to do today is I want to look at the command a little bit. I want us to see some ways in which um, this command is violated and broken and then draw out some principles from the text. So if you found Exodus chapter 20 and you're able, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's word and we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as I said a moment ago, our focus today is going to be on the 8th command, which is in verse 15. And my goal is not just to skim over this, because don't steal is pretty, well, I mean, we just say that and go home, right? That's, that's really the point of, of the text, don't steal. But I want to dig down into it a little bit and draw out some principles for daily life. But before we do that, we need to consider, what does it mean to steal? So, oh, pastor, here we go. The, the, why would you do something like this? We all know what it means to steal. We all know what, what theft is, and that's true, um, but how would you define it? And uh, there, was a, there was an old preacher from yesteryear by the name of John Gill. And when we think of stealing, we might think of like an animated character. He's got the black pants, the black and white striped shirt, has on the, the black mask, you know, kind of like a raccoon, and, and creeping into somebody's house with the bag and loads everything up. Or maybe we think of, of the shoplifter. And um, we might think of somebody who goes into a store and takes something that's not theirs. I mean, th- those are all examples of, of this uh, command, uh, a violation of the command, don't steal. 
But those are not the only ways in which this command can be broken. So as I said, a preacher named John Gill from yesteryear defined it this way. He said that uh, stealing is to take away another man's property by force or fraud without the knowledge and against the will of the owner thereof. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who here has stolen something, but I, I do want a show of hands. Who has ever had something stolen from them? Anybody? Wow, look at that. Almost everybody here has had something stolen from them. Now, I've only had something stolen one time that I, that I know of, and nobody broke into my house or anything, but uh, several years ago, back when CDs were a big thing, I was working in Bolivar's back when I was in college, and, and uh, CDs were a big thing, and I had a, a case that had probably about 70 CDs in it. So there was a substantial amount of money wrapped up in those, and I had it at work, and one of my co-workers stole it. I don't know which one of them it was. It wasn't a big office, but I never did find out who it was. The thing is, almost every CD in there was a Christian music CD. So it's kind of ironic that somebody would steal Christian music. But, you know, uh, that's... It, it, and it, it, you guys have... It looks like everybody here has had somebody steal something from you. It kind of, You just feel violated, don't you? It's like, oh, it, it just... And it makes you mad that somebody would, would, would take something that's not theirs. Now, even though that is the kind of thing that we commonly think of, and, and when we think about the, the Bible's uh, words on theft and stealing, this is the verse that we always think of, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about stealing in one form or another, especially in the law. Now, that is unfortunate because, number one, it's in the Bible, and a lot of people, even Christians, don't read the Bible very often. It's in the Old Testament, which is even worse because the Christians that do read the Bible usually just say the New Testament. And what's even worse is it's in the first few books of the Bible. And usually Christians, if they read the Bible and they read the Old Testament, about all they know for, of the first couple books of the Bible is that uh, God created the heavens and the earth. There's Adam and Eve. God flooded the earth. Something, something, something. Patriarchs in there somewhere. Moses. The Exodus, Joshua and Jericho. And that's about it. And so there's this huge gap of stuff that, that Christians are not familiar with. Namely, you, well, you know how it is when you try to read your Bible through. And you get to certain parts like in Leviticus, namely the whole thing. And there are all these rules and regulations and do this and don't do that. And if this happens, this is what you should do and so on and so forth. And let's face it, when we, when we read it, our mind just kind of goes off in la-la land, Right? That happens to us. The problem is the law, the Bible says the, the law is useful. It tells us what God desires. Now, we're not under law. We're under grace. But, but Paul says that the law serves as a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. It shows us how, what, what God requires, what his desires are, and how we don't measure up. But one of the things that the Bible talks about is what happens if somebody steals. Now, these laws, these rules that he has given, they're not just arbitrary things that he's come up with and given us. They're all based on him and his character. Now, when you, when you read the scripture, you come across what's called the lex talionis. Say, preacher, I didn't know you spoke in tongues. Lex talionis, it means the law of retribution, the law of retaliation. You probably heard it phrased, an eye for an eye. 
Now, we think of an eye for an eye as being a severe thing, right? Well, you took my eye, I'm going to take yours. I might take both of them. The problem is, when, when the scripture talks about an eye for an eye, it's not a bad thing. It's actually a limiter on people. And what I mean is, our tendency is to escalate. So if somebody injures us, what do we want to do? We're going to make sure they don't do it again. Right? You take my eye, I'm going to take both of yours. You knock out one of my teeth, I'm going to knock out every tooth in your head. You take my stuff, I'm going to take your life. Right? That's what we do. We want to escalate things so that we can have an end to hostilities, so to speak. And so what God says is there has to be a, 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 a correlation there between the, the crime and the punishment have to match both in scope, the, the severity, and also in type. So the Bible says if somebody uh, causes someone to lose their eye, they pay with their own eye. If somebody, gets, if somebody knocks a tooth out of somebody, they should get their tooth knocked out. It's a limiter. If somebody knocks a tooth out, somebody, somebody doesn't get to take a Louisville slugger to the other guy's face. Okay, so there's, there's a limit there. And so what God says is if somebody steals, there is a punishment it's not death. A lot of times we read the Old Testament law and we say, man, everybody's getting put to death over everything. The Old Testament law does not prescribe death as a punishment for stealing. Instead, it doesn't even prescribe jail time. Penitentiaries didn't exist back then. The punishment for theft is restitution. It's restitution with an increase. So if you take somebody's cattle, for instance, you pay you, you, you restore that number of cattle to them plus, you know, 20% or whatever it is. It's, it's not death. It's not, you know, losing a limb. There is restitution. It, it's a case of biblical justice. So, so you just have, have that in mind. And when you read the Old Testament, especially when you get into the laws, if you have an ox that gores somebody and this happens, that happens, that's, kind of, that's what's happening. There's, there's a, 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 a lex talionis, an eye for an eye. There's a limit on the payback, so to speak. So, anyway, let's get into the text. What are some ways in which theft might occur? Well, there are the obvious things, breaking and entering, uh, shoplifting, Things like that. But there are some things that we don't often think of that would still be considered theft. So you might think about uh, things like kidnapping. That's theft. That is the stealing of a person. Today we call it human trafficking. Slavery, as an extension of the kidnapping, the selling into bondage people. You say, Pastor, slavery in the 1860s. No, there's slavery still going on even here in America. It's not, it's not the same type of slavery but there's still slavery going on. There are people being sold into bondage in this country, even in 2020. Uh, if, if someone is enslaved, the withholding of their just wages would be a form of theft. Employers not paying their employees, that is theft. That's stealing. You say, Pastor, isn't that illegal? Yeah. Lots of things are illegal that they're still done. Something else that would be theft is taking out a debt when you don't intend on paying it. Or you take out a debt, and then you don't pay it. You have every intention on it, of it, but then you don't. Living off charity when you're perfectly capable of making your own way. That's theft. Because you're defrauding the government or the people who are contributing, you're stealing from them. 
There have been cases like with Enron. People have paid in all these years of retirement. And who was it, Bernie Madoff, I believe his name was? Their livelihoods, their retirements, all gone. That's theft. That's stealing. Governments can be guilty of this. It doesn't matter if it's Uncle Sam or your Uncle Larry. Theft is theft. You say, well, how, how can the government steal? Well, you'd ask some Native Americans on that. But there's also things like eminent domain. You probably have heard about that. That's when the government comes in and says, we need that piece of property. Here's some money. We're taking it. You say, I don't want you to take it. I have use of that. Too bad. I've had this in my family for generations. Too bad we need it for a road. Now, it's, it's, it's bad enough if it's being used for the public good. But there have been cases, with the Kelo case in particular, the, that the government has come in, has taken private property from one person or from, from private party, and has given it to another private party. That's theft. That's stealing, plain and simple. The government can steal through excessive taxation. I mean, I figured I'd get some amens on that. Um, now, with excessive taxation, now some people say all taxation is theft, and there's a, there's a sense in which that's true because the government's taking money so they did not work for, they did not earn, they take it without your consent. Okay, I, I get that. I think one can make a case of the legitimate form of, of some taxation out of uh, Romans 13. <clears throat> but excessive taxation. Do you remember when you got your first job? And you got your paycheck, and you'd done the math. I worked X amount of hours. I get X amount per hour. Therefore, my pay is going to be Y. And then you get your check, but Y ain't there. It's Y minus X or Z, whatever. What? Uncle Sam takes the money before you ever see it. He taxes your income. But then when you go to the store and you buy something, what do you pay? Tax. You pay tax on an item with money that's already been taxed. And then if the item is a big item, let's say you buy a, buy a boat, buy a piece of property, whatever it is, you have to pay property tax on an item you've already paid taxes on with money that's already been taxed. That ain't right. And I'm not just saying that because I don't like paying taxes. It ain't right. That's excessive taxation. There's theft in there. Now, Jesus said, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That's fine. But Caesar thinks he owns it all. He doesn't. He wants to take his share and our share as well. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But you get the idea. You remember when, well, I'll go back to it a little bit. You remember when Jesus was walking along, there's a, a short little feller wanted to see him. You remember what his name was? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Jesus came by and said, you come down. I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus gets saved. And what does he say? Whatever I've defrauded people. Remember, he was a tax collector. He said, whatever I've defrauded people, I'm going to restore to them four times what I've taken. Government abuse of taxation is not a new thing. Happening back in Roman times, in biblical times. Now, God's word to them and to us is the same. What is it? Do not steal. 
Do not steal. So what is the biblical solution for all this? What are some principles we can draw out of this? Well, the Bible has some very pointed things to say to those who would either steal outrightly so, or, or, or they would just choose not to work so that others could support them. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, the Bible says, He who steals must steal no longer. There's verse 15. Thou shalt not steal. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now, a couple of things stand out to me from that. First, the opposite of taking is giving, so the opposite of theft is generosity. Those of us who are able-bodied should be involved in honest work. Say, Pastor, are you just want to, are you the, are you a company man? You just just saying we should line the pockets of the boss? No, I'm not talking about that. The Bible says a lot of people think of work as a four-letter word. It is, but they think of it as a bad word. But work is something that God instituted before the fall. Work is not evil. We should provide for ourselves, for our families, and then optimally we'll have something left over to share with those who have need. As as we've talked about recently, millions of people are, are either unemployed or underemployed. And there are people around us who either are or will soon be in need. And it is a blessing to be able to give and help out others. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. A second thing I notice here in this text is Paul says we need to perform that which is good. We need to be involved in honest industry, honest work. Say, I'm... There are some things I'm just too good for. I'm too dignified for things such as that. Listen, if, it is, if it's a job where it's not immoral, unethical, you're not harming your, yourself or your neighbor, it's honest work. And if it's honest work, there's no shame in doing it. The other biblical solution is really just, just the same thing, but stated a little bit differently. Paul says, the one who steals must steal no longer, but rather he should work. And then he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, He says, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Now again, we always want to jump to the exceptions to the rule. Are there going to be people who, because of physical, mental conditions, are never going to be able to hold a job? Yes. That's not what this is talking about. These are are people, Paul says, who are choosing not to work. They have an opportunity, they're able-bodied, and they refuse to do it. And there are going to be people who cannot do that because of different limitations. There there may be periods of time, like we're going through right now, where it's it's a tough job market. I mean, you have millions of people needing a job, And it's going to be tough to find a job. This command is aimed at people who are perfectly capable of working. They have opportunity to work, but they choose to let somebody else foot the bill for them. They choose to let somebody else support them. And Paul says, if you don't work in that situation, you ought not eat. So what are some principles? And can I say, if that that was the case, you wouldn't miss too many meals before you start finding a job, wouldn't you? Now, what are some principles that we can pull out from this? Well, first, this is, this is 
pretty deep. We shouldn't steal. That's simple. Don't steal. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you. That includes the stealing of persons, kidnapping, human trafficking, not paying wages, especially taking the goods of someone else. Don't do that. That's a word to the government as well. They shouldn't be doing that. Second, working to meet your own needs, the needs of your family, and to have something to help out others, that's God-ordained. That is a God-ordained good thing. That's something that's, that's good to do individually, but it's also good as a church. See, we see in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, Paul talks about churches, and, and it's in First and Second Corinthians as well. We did that when we did our responsive reading. There were times that certain churches were in need. They were poor. There was a famine. And so what Paul did is he went to other churches, and he said, hey, the Christians in this city are in bad shape. And what did the other churches do? They gave. They gave and helped out. They helped out the other church. And listen, there are some, there are some churches in this country who are in bad shape. I mean, there, there are some churches that, that many in their congregation have, have lost jobs. They can't, they don't have anything to give. They can't make payroll. They have debts. Maybe they build a new building. Uh, they're, they're trying to pay those things off, and they're just in bad shape. And some of them, you, you probably have heard about the um, payroll protection, whatever it is, PPP. Uh, the government came out with it. Some churches have actually taken money from Caesar to, to cover that cost. The biblical example is for churches to help out those churches. And there is a movement, even starting now, down in, in Texas, I believe it is, uh, there's a guy that's starting to round up, to, to, to start making some contacts and put a structure in place so that churches can help out each other. Now, I don't know if, if any churches in our association are in that place. I've emailed Ken. I haven't heard back from him yet. But listen, it's good to help out one another. It's good to help out other Christians. It's good to help out people in need. A third principle that we see here is that we have a right to private property. Historically, that's been a hallmark in our culture, but it's rooted in Scripture itself. You can't steal something that belongs to somebody else if it doesn't belong to them. Now, you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's kind of a downer of a book. But if you read it over and over and over again, Solomon tells us that our lot in life is to do the work that God's put before us, and then what? Enjoy the fruits of our labor. Enjoy the fruits of our labor. We have a right to private property. And finally, we see that we have a fundamental right to be secure in our possessions, both from theft from people and from the government. Folks, stealing is it's, it's a broad thing. It's, it's broader than picking your pocket. It can be a person that picks your pocket. It can be Uncle Sam has both hands both pockets. It can be yeah, we can do it. We can take something that doesn't belong to somebody else. That's stealing. That's wrong. That is a sin. The Bible says the one who steals must steal no more. But no matter who does it, it's wrong. So the question is first, is that something that you've done that you need to repent of? Say, oh, but pastor, it wasn't just a little thing. It was just a little, you know, it's, it's all right. Stealing, stealing. 
Love, your na- love of your neighbor in relationship to their possessions. Or maybe, and I saw a lot of hands earlier, somebody has stolen from you. Maybe you need to forgive that person. So, oh, pastor, you're gone too far now. Listen, I'm not saying that you're given the okay that, it, that you're not saying it's okay that they did it. I'm not saying that you can't pursue legal action. But if you hold a grudge in your heart against them, it's not going to do any good. It's not going to make them sorry just because you're mad. It's going to eat you up from the inside out. That's all that a grudge does. That's all the bitterness does. So what's the point of the text? What's the point of the sermon? Two words. Don't steal. Right. Want to stand with me as musicians come? And as you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, again, I'm not wanting a show of hands, but you know, if you've been guilty of this, maybe you need to ask God to forgive you. Maybe you need to restore whatever it is. Some years ago, I was looking through some of my stuff, and I saw that I had, since like middle school, I had a book that belonged to, in one of my classes, of all things, as a book of poetry. I didn't have any use for that, but I shouldn't have taken it. I don't know why I did. I don't know why I had it, but it was kind of a humbling thing as a grown man to track down that old teacher who, who was still alive track her down and give her back the book and say, I had this, I'm sorry. And maybe, maybe you got somebody in your life you need to go to and make restitution. Maybe you're guilty of, of this sin of theft and you've never been forgiven. That's just one of many sins. You've never experienced forgiveness that's found in Christ. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is the gospel is there's eternal life in Christ Jesus. You've never accepted Christ. Do that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that these these various uh, commands with whether it be human trafficking, shoplifting, just a, a wide variety of things can be boiled down into two words, don't steal. And you made it so simple and so plain that even uh, a child can understand that. But it's, it's so challenging that we as adults uh, some, sometimes wrestle with it too. And God, I pray that you would help each of us, if, if we've stolen in the past, that you would help us to make restitution on that, that we'd swallow our pride. And if somebody has stolen from us, that we would, um, that we would uh, forgive them in our hearts. And God, if there's somebody who needs to accept Christ, I pray that you'd help them do that. In Jesus' name, amen.